Good morning. Okay, let me flip the switch over here. Well, we're continuing our series, this beautiful mess, talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about it for a couple of months now, and it's something that's important. It's something that Jesus talked about over and over and over again throughout his ministry here. Many of the parables, it begins with the reference, the kingdom of heaven is like. Last week we talked about how the kingdom of heaven is breaking in, but we take part of it by invitation, not by production. In other words, we are invited to be part of the kingdom. We don't have to produce the right works or things to, to enter in. It is something that he has invited us into and has made opportunity for us to be a part of it by what he has done for us on the cross, by grace, not by works. And so the kingdom of heaven is now available to us. But if the kingdom of heaven is breaking in and if we're able to see glimpses of it, what are some of the signposts of the kingdom of heaven? What are some of the things that people can see and understand, oh, the kingdom of heaven is this way, just like those signs you see along the road that tell you, oh, there's a, a rest stop here or whatever it is. What are the signs of the kingdom of God? And you think of all the things out there that help us to get an understanding and glimpse of God. Maybe it's the Grand Canyon, or maybe it's a, an incredible sunset or the ocean, Something miraculous and, and beautiful like the birth of a child. But what we need to understand is the clearest signpost to the kingdom of heaven is you and me. Nothing else shows the glory of God like you and me. Or should I say nothing can show the glory of God like you and me. You see, the Grand Canyon, as grand as it is, it's got it in its name, does not show who God is because it was not created in the image of God like you and like I was. We were created in his image. Creation, as spectacular as it is, wasn't created in his image. It can't represent God like you and I can. And so the, the clearest signpost to what the kingdom of heaven is like, believe it or not, is supposed to be you and me. Now the question then needs to be, is it? Are we the signpost that says the kingdom of heaven is this way? And, and if not, maybe we can look at what it means to be a signpost to the kingdom of heaven. What does that look like? How's my life supposed to show this? What can I do to better represent that? And so if you have your Bibles, open it to Acts chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Alex can run you one. Acts chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 1. Luke is writing this and he says, In my former book, which would be the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach 
until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit of the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. If you heard the term, you know, we're going to go out witnessing. Anyone heard that term? Or maybe evangelism. Evangelize. What a, what a word, right? It's kind of freaky just in the way it sounds. Evangelize. It just makes me sound, I have to say it like that. And to, to me, sometimes the word evangelize or witness, it means go talk to people you don't know about things that they don't want to hear and be uncomfortable. Okay. That, that's me. Does anyone else relate to that? Can anyone else, can I get a witness? Okay. The other, the others of you might not have that problem. It's like, no, I love to evangelize. I love the word evangelize, evangelize. You know, it's something that you have no problem with. But the idea of witnessing or evangelism to me is unusual and awkward. I remember one time going with a group to a park. We were going to go witnessing at this park. First time I've ever gone, quote, witnessing, but I thought this is what you do. This is how you tell people about Jesus. So a bunch of us packed in these cars and unloaded at this park, and we just spread out like roaches <laughs> through the park. Not the best illustration. It just came to mind. And I remember I had this shirt on of a signpost, of all things, and it had on it an arrow going up and an arrow going down, and it said, the choice is yours. And it was my evangelism shirt. <laughs> And I had a Bible. It wasn't a normal Bible. It was a Thompson chain reference. It was a huge Bible. And I'm there in this park, standing out like a sore thumb. Who's this white kid here at this park with his big Bible in his shirt, looking for someone to evangelize? And I walk up to this man, and he's sitting there at the park in the playground area. And I go walking up to him, and I go, hi, sir, can I talk to you? And he looks at me and goes, please. I'm just here to spend some time with my kids. Okay. <laughs> what do you say? Well, would you like to hear about... No, he just told me he didn't want... I didn't even say anything. I was there with my Bible and my shirt, and he said, no, I don't want that. And to me, that's the idea of witnessing and evangelism. But really, what the Scripture talks about and what Jesus talks about is not so much this idea of evangelize, but more of being witnesses. In fact, he sends us. We are the sent of God. And 
I think that has a little different connotation. I mean, the word sent is used 650 times in the scriptures. God is always sending. He, he sent messengers like Moses to the people. He sent prophets to the nation of Israel to bring them back to that understanding of the covenant with God. He sends angels to declare messages to Daniel and to others, Abraham, Jacob. Ultimately, he sends his son, Jesus, to be our redeemer. He sends then the Holy Spirit to to give us God's power. So God is always sending. In fact, if you take out the word send in the scriptures, you have no gospel because it's all about sending. It's all about God sending and going. And so I want to ask a couple of questions regarding this. I mean, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what does it mean to be sent? We can reduce the message to a program, to pamphlets, to this idea of witnessing. And take this message, the good news, and make it less than what it really is. We can, in a sense, kind of cut the ligaments of what it means to be sent because this is the heartbeat of the living God. From Genesis 3, from the fall, throughout scriptures, God is reaching out and he is sending to try and bring restoration, reconciliation, bring a a new and develop that relationship that was severed. And so I want to look at what it means to be sent because that's what he's telling us you need to go. Any parents familiar with that with children? <laughs> okay, you're you're 30 years old now. You need to go. Some of you 30-year-olds, I'm sorry if I just stepped on your toes. Jesus put it like this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, being sent means representing, being that signpost for God. And we're supposed to be that example that people see God. Why? Because we have shirts because we have the Bibles, because we go and and give them a pamphlet and go through the four steps or the Ten Commandments or, or the Roman road or the four spiritual laws. I mean, there's a million of them out there, and I'm not saying that they're bad in and of themselves, but they don't encompass what it means to be sent. What it means to be sent is to let your light shine before men, that they would see your good deeds and glorify God. That, that's the connotation of, of what it means to be sent. But Before we can be sent, there's something that takes place, especially in the New Testament. Before you're sent, God gathers you. We're supposed to be gathered together. You see, the church, and what the scriptures mean by church is those people who believe in Jesus, those who have faith in Christ, they make up the church. The church isn't a building that you go to. The church is a community of believers. That's what the church is. That's why Paul would say to the church at Colossae. What is he saying? Those believers in this city that make up 
the church. And, and so before we can be sent, we need to gather because the church, those people, are God's agenda for the world. Now, don't disconnect yourself from that. When I say the church, don't think, oh yeah, those people. No, we are the church. You is the people. You make up the church. And so you are God's agenda for the world. You're the signpost. You're what people are to see that points them to the kingdom of God. And again, the question begs, am I? As we notice this idea of gathering precedes being sent, Jesus would gather the disciples together before he would send them out. He gathered the 12 to himself. Then he told them, as we just read in Acts chapter 1, they were to gather together and wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come. There is a constant referring to them gathering together. In Hebrews chapter 10, 25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We're not supposed to stop gathering. It's supposed to be something that is a part of who we are. We gather, and then when Jesus would send us, he wouldn't even send us out by ourselves. You'd think that'd be more economic. You can cover more ground if you send them, but he sent them two by two. Go with somebody. Why? Because there is something that takes place when you're with someone else. You develop and help each other. You are able to communicate things more clearly together than maybe by yourself. I love when I do dog training for husbands and wives because I go through and I show them how to do it and then as they start practicing it, they start correcting each other. No, you're doing it wrong. No, I'm not. He said like this. I said, no, he said to do this. And then I tell him, well, just call me and I'll settle the bet, you know, as long as I get 10%, you know. <laughs> but they start helping each other out. No, he said to do this. He said to be, wait, no, you're supposed to do it this way. And they start working together so that it has a better result. We're supposed to work together. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. And that's difficult because sometimes we feel like I, I do things better my, by myself. When my kids were young, they would always want to help me mow the lawn. And I always appreciated the help, but it took me twice as long. Because there they were, these little guys, and they'd have their hands in between the handle, you know, the bars. I'd be mowing the lawn. Okay, I'm turning now. Okay. You know, and it's like everything, it's like, please get tired. Go in. But though, they were helping dad. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes we just want to do things by ourselves and we feel like we can accomplish it if we just do it by ourselves. But that's not the case. That's not how it's supposed to be. We are supposed to have the help because we're recognizing our identity isn't alone. Our identity is together. That's why Paul describes the community of believers as a body. And there are different members of that body, their hands, their arms, their eyes. Everyone has a function to participate in this work, this community, this church that God is doing. And so there's no room for this 
self-mission. I'm going to take things over. And, and the self that thinks that, you know, man, God's lucky to have me. Now that I'm here, I'm going to really get things going for him. Maybe you're one of those people or you thought like that. I, I can do this. And, and it doesn't take long for you to find out, you know, people aren't on your agenda. They want to be a part of God's agenda. I did a concert one time. Oh, man, this, was, this hurts. I went out to all these different high schools, and we put on concerts at the lunchtime for about five different schools. We got bands to, to do these lunch concerts, and I was thinking, man, this is going to be a big promotion. And then we rented one of the halls at one of the high schools, and this was, we're going to fill the hall with all these kids at all these different high schools that we went to. And I made flyers, and I was getting people, come on, you got to hand out these flyers. And I was just pushing this thing as hard as I could push. And then the, the night comes for the concert. Rent a PA kicking PA, got the band there, we're paying for the PA, we're paying for the band, we're paying for the hall at the school to have this function and paying for the flyers that we put out all over the place. I mean, put a lot of money into this thing. I go there and I'm setting up and, you know, I'm anxious, I'm excited. We go there to the band practice. Oh, man, they sound good, they sound good. Time comes. Five people showed up. Five people. I'm not kidding, the whole night, five people. They stood there. We didn't have chairs because we thought we were going to have too many people to pack them in there. It didn't matter. There's five people standing in this huge auditorium. There were more people in the band than were standing there. Not to mention all the ushers lined up to help, you know, these four or five people where they're like surrounded by these people just all around them. And it was like, oh, I just wanted, you know, I'm done. And I remember the pastor said, hey, what happened? <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I had all these plans. It was supposed to be big. It just, my agenda didn't go. No one came on board with my program. And it just didn't happen. And I think sometimes we do that. Come on, everyone, let's do this. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not with your program. I, I don't think that's what it's about. And sometimes we can get lost in just seeing things our way and not really God's way. When we gather, we're acknowledging the mercy and grace of God. When we are here, we are here as a community of people that have recognized our need. That, that's part of what Christianity is, is the need for a savior, the, the need for someone to deal with the, the junk in our lives. And that's why we all relate, because we all got the junk. And so we come together and we acknowledge God is merciful. God is good. You don't believe me? Look around you. No, really. Look around you. You're seeing God's mercy in the people that are there. You're seeing his mercy in me. And so we gather together because... It helps us to remember. We partake of bread. We drink the cup because we remember we were invited into this community by the king himself. Why do we have a seat here? It's because of Jesus. It's because he has invited us. He's the one who's brought us together. And so before we are sent, we gather. We get together. We encourage each other. We help one another. 
And that's why we meet. And if you're in the habit of, no, I don't want to go to church. It's really, you know, I don't get as much from there as I do from God by myself. Well, I can understand that. I don't take it too personal. Um, But really, what you're doing is cutting yourself off from the agenda that God has. And so we need to remember that. And even when we're sent, again, it's not alone. It's individuals. Acts instructed us to go. He told us, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. And think of it, when the church first started, it was kicking. Thousands came forward and came to faith in Jesus in just one day. Uh, Miracles are happening. Amazing things are going on. This incredible work is taking place. Who'd want to go? Go. Why should we go? Things are happening right here. And then there came persecution. Stephen gets killed, stoned to death. And all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, I guess we'll go. They got to run for their lives. And it was kind of God's way. No, you have to go. You got to get out of the house. You need to move forward. And a lot of us don't want to get out. I'm comfortable here. Don't make me go out there into that world. And we have this idea, you know, the world where where we can moralize and spiritualize what's taking place. The culture is wicked. We can't go out there. Come come in and be separate. That's what God wants us to do. And we twist the scripture in 2 Corinthians to make it mean that we don't actually interact with the people around us because they're wicked. They were really wicked in the time that the New Testament was written. Nero was a pretty twisted guy. I'm not going to go into it, but it is a lot worse. A lot worse. And God pushed them to move out. And, and he's doing the same thing with us. He, he's wanting to send us. And then we start thinking, well, we don't need to be sent. We just need to be relevant. If we can make the church look really good, it's like the extreme church makeover. And people come and go, whoa, look at the church. That's really happening. I think I'm going to go there. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, we, you see, the idea of relevance is about relationship. You're not relevant because you have the latest technology. You're not relevant because your music is this way. You're not relevant because of the things. You're relevant if you're connected. I mean, imagine sitting over and saying, I'm glad we had this cup of coffee. Now, I'd like to share with you my Christian testimony. How's that going to go over? Anyone tried that line? Like, I don't want to hear your Christian testimony. I thought we were here for a cup of coffee. You bait and switched me. You told me you were going to take me out to lunch, and you just took me out to try and give me your Christian testimony. Maybe instead of trying to sell something, we need to try and listen. You know, the whole two ears, one mouth thing. Take the ratio, learn something from that. And understand that the relationship you develop with someone and listening to their story enables you to then begin to give them your story. We talked about this in our relationship series. 
And, and so the idea of being sent isn't awkward. It should be natural. These are the people you talk to. These are the people you communicate with. These are the people you eat with. We want to communicate in a way that people can appreciate and understand. So, where do we go? If we're being sent, where do we go? Do I have to go to Africa? Do I have to go to Haiti? Do I have to go to Mexico? I forget who it was. Someone, I, it was, I know who it was, said, I don't want to go to Mexico. That's what she said. <laughs> I don't want to go to Mexico. Okay, you, you don't have to go to Mexico. God's not sending everyone to Mexico. He's sending everyone from Mexico here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that wasn't politically correct. Um, forgive me. He's not sending you necessarily somewhere physically. But what he is doing is sending us where we connect. It's not safe. Jesus said that I send you as sheep among wolves. Think about that picture. There's a sheep in this pack of wolves. And why is it there? Because Jesus sent me here. We ask the question, would Jesus send you someplace that isn't safe? Sometimes he does. But we go on mission. We go with faith. We go because we have an agenda. It's God's agenda. And again, we don't go alone. We're gathered and we're sent and we go together. We have a mission to reach our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends. And then sometimes we have the desire to go to Mexico or to go to Haiti or to go wherever. So we go to the places that we can connect, the places that we are drawn to, the places where we have the desire. But we are supposed to go. They're saying, I don't have a desire to go anywhere. Well, then you need to get with someone and you need to go somewhere. Maybe it's to your family. Maybe it's to some of the colleagues at work or some of the people at your school on campus. You go where you can. And we live in such a way that they can see how God feels about them. We have to live our lives so that they see that God loves them because how we care about them. Now, do you get that impression from the church if you see it in the media? Do you think the world at large thinks that God really loves them based on how they see our conduct? Because that's what they need to see is how God feels about them by how we interact with them. If we show concern, then they're going to understand God shows concern. If we really care, they're going to see that God really cares. We are the signpost. And so how we conduct ourselves, it's not about just what you do, what you say. It's not about spilling the, the message. It's not about selling the goods. It's not about following the laws and the pamphlets and the napkin where you write the things out. You know, here's, I want to show you something. It's not about the method. 
It's about representing God to those around us in a way that is clear that they see, you know, God cares about me. Why? Because Sam cares about me. Because Joe cares about me. I have an understanding that God cares about me. I've told this story before. When I was in Wales back in 2005, the first time I was there, there was a, a couple of guys who were there. And, you know, it's great. You're from the United States. And so apparently we have accents over there in Europe. You know, we kept saying, I don't have the accent. You got the accent. But we were the only ones. We were outnumbered. So that we were kind of a spectacle. Oh, you're from the United States. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you know Michael Jackson? Yeah, you know. And, and so you go there and, and you start dialoguing with these people. And there was these two guys. And they knew we were from, you know, this Christian community. And so these two guys were, oh, I don't believe in Jesus, you know. And they went on about what they believed in. And then some of the people would start dialoguing, kind of battling evolution, creationism, blah, 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 going back and forth, back and forth. And they would be staunch. No, I don't believe that. Oh, I'm not going to ever believe that. But they just kept hanging around us. And pretty soon we're buying them lunch. And pretty soon we're taking them down to the beach with us because we're going to go to this little surf thing and we, we sponsor them so that they can go to that. And then we're feeding them and we're doing these things with them. And you know what? Pretty soon their arguments didn't mean a hill of beans. They just saw that we cared about them and it won them. It won them. They both wanted to receive Jesus. Why? Because we sold them the truth? No, because they just saw that God cared about them through us. And I think if we would do those things, it would go so far. You see, we are sent to people. We're we're not sent to something in general. We're sent to people. We hear what their hearts are saying before we just try and blast them with the gospel gun. And and people are always the heart of the focus. It's always about the people. It's not a notch on your belt. It's not to win an argument. It's about caring for people. That's what Jesus did. That's why he he did it so well. And all the things that we do are really just pathways to connect to people. The Healthy Start program that we partner with, especially around Christmas time, to, to help the kids who are, you know, in peril of of staying in school and providing them supplies. It's not really the program. We're connecting with people to connect with more people. When we go to Mexico, it's not to go to the country of Mexico. It's to connect with the people who are in Mexico. So the trips to Mexico are pathways to people. When we go to Haiti, it's not to go to the nation it's not just to build up a country that's in poor circumstances. It's to connect to people. The knitting for the reason. It's not just to knit. I know, it's shocking some of you. <laughs> but it's to connect to people. These are all pathways to connection. And that's what we're about, is trying to connect to people. And you see, people may listen or they might be rude That's just how it is with people. Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. Cool. Thanks for the heads up. I mean, it's good to know. 
Because you can get really bent out of shape when someone says, man, I don't want to hear about your stupid Jesus. <laughs> it's like, no, Jesus said that's going to happen. Some people are just not going to be into it. Don't, don't sweat it. But it's about connecting to the people. And it's important that we see that. And so where do the signposts show up? The kingdom of God, where are some of the areas that this signpost shows up? We've talked about, well, it's supposed to show up in us, right? That's what the signpost is. The kingdom of God is us. And so we have to get an understanding that we represent the kingdom of God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. One of the ways and one of the areas where this shows up a lot through Scripture is in the meal. Yeah! Food! Isn't that glorious? God and food go hand in hand. I'm so jazzed. Justification for my gluttony. No, it's not. But what happens is that meal, that table, is space for incredible things to happen. The Passover meal. I mean, think about it. God says, you need to sacrifice a lamb and eat it. But you got to do it quick because these guys are coming to get you. When you think, hey, they're coming to get us, let's just go. No, you got to eat a meal first. And then you can go. There was a meal involved with that. When Abraham met with those guests, those three strangers, it was over a meal. So many things happen over a meal. Jesus goes to the wedding feast. He's there at a meal. He's eating with tax collectors, with sinners. He's eating the Passover, the Last Supper. It's a meal. We are told in Corinthians that when we gather together, we're to remember the Lord's. And after we eat, then we remember the cup, the bread. Food is an important part because it's in this discussion with this food that you actually start communicating. You're, you're communing together. Last night we went and had Mexican food and we're sitting there with the chips and salsa. You know, you're, we're both, all of us are dipping in the salsa. We're not double dipping. We're being cool. But we're all sharing of the same sustenance. And now the conversation comes naturally where you start talking about the concerns, the cares of your life, and it's over an enchilada or your food of choice. A lot of Mexico here today. Huh? It's about that interaction that takes place. Invite someone to go out and eat. What are you doing? You're being a signpost. You're, you're bringing opportunity. Put another chair at the table and ask someone to come over. You're, you're being the signpost to the kingdom of heaven. You're bringing opportunity for those things to happen because that's really what it's about. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7, it says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
but we have this treasure, this light, right, that's shining in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. This treasure, this message of Jesus that is the light to all men, he says that it's in jars of clay. The jars of clay are you and me. This message is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are containing an incredible message. You are a signpost to the kingdom of heaven. Go have coffee with someone and talk with them. Go listen and show them how much God loves them by how much you care about them. Be that living example. And you might think, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have Bible knowledge. God shows up in the smallest of conversations. He, he can take place in, in deep ways through ways that are beyond you. I was asked to go visit a woman who was dying of cancer a few years back. And she was basically getting hospice care at her own home. They had people coming into her home and she was in a wheelchair. The daughter I had talked to and she was just very stressed because she's caring for her mom. Her mom's dying. It's there at the house. There's other kids and it was just very chaotic, very problematic. And I come there into the situation. I had met her briefly, but didn't know her well. And so I go in there, and she's in a wheelchair. And she doesn't really recognize me. And I said, oh, I'm from you know, this church community. I'm one of the pastors there. And she goes, okay. And so the family leaves so I can talk with her. And I'm kind of like, okay. You know, I, I don't, what am I going to say? She's dying of cancer. And so I think, well, let me pray for you. I'm going to anoint you with oil, and I'm going to pray. And so I close my eyes, and I put my hand, and I'm praying for her. And I said some prayer. I'm sure it was good prayer, you know. I, I prayed for her. And I opened my eyes, and she's like three inches from my face, just staring at me. Freaked me out totally freaked me out. I opened my eyes and she's just there in my face. And I'm like, and then she looks at me and she says, my husband cries at night because of me and my pain and my dying. You ever feel like you're in the wrong place? Like you're in above your head? Like you find out it's the trigonometry class instead of math made fun. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you're talking and I don't know how to communicate. She said this and I was just at a loss. I, I, what do I say? She is aware of the grief that her death is causing those she loves. That's what's on her mind. How do you help 
someone in that place. And this thought came to mind that I had heard somewhere once before. And I said, and I couldn't even believe I said this, I said, even though you're dying, because I usually try and avoid the dying thing. You know, I just like, I don't want to dance on that stone. I said, even though you're dying, you're breathing and God isn't done with you. You can still pray for your husband. You can pray for your kids. God still hears you. And then she sat there looking at me. And she sat up and she said, that's true. I want to go for a walk now. I said, me too. <laughs> and so she called the family back in and they got up. They took her for a walk and, and I said goodbye. And I left there feeling like, God, did I actually give something that was helpful? Because I'm telling you, I was, I was floored. I didn't have any, I wasn't prepared for that. And a simple dialogue gets to be a signpost for the kingdom of God that is able to help someone see a little bit more clearly the presence of God in their lives, reaching out, trying to help them. We are sent. We're of no use if we're not. It's like that quote I had a couple weeks ago. A ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships were made for. You were not made to sit in chairs on Sunday morning. You were made to eat, to converse, to laugh, to cry, to play music, to listen, to challenge, to engage. You were made to be dynamic in representing your Father in heaven. This light is in a jar of clay. That's you and me. And so let's recognize the signpost that points to the kingdom of heaven is here in this room. Let's be just that. Let's pray. Father, I know I have feelings of inadequacy all the time. And it can hinder me from even stepping out. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid of what they will say. And it's as if I'm trying to sell something instead of just being you to people around me just loving as you love caring as you care not trying to force feed a conversation just inviting someone to come and eat and allowing the conversations to grow by being there with someone holding someone's hand through a difficult time. 
giving a, a caring ear and shoulder to cry on when someone is going through something, representing you to those around us. God, who's around us? Who are the people who we have contact with that maybe we need to invite out for lunch? Maybe we need to sit down and have a cup of coffee with, not with an agenda, not with a pamphlet, not with anything other than showing them that God loves them by demonstrating that love through our conduct and allowing the conversations to grow, allowing the opportunities to come and being prepared when they do come, then we can step forward. God, am I being a signpost? The kingdom of heaven is right here in this jar of clay. The the kingdom of heaven is in me because you are in me. Lord, may that be true. Thank you again for being gracious, merciful, and patient. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.